Fish Unfiltered, episode 53. I am your host, Kevin Barraw, and I am here joined by my co-host and good friend, Isaac Azut. Isaac, what's up? It's been three weeks. The last time we were on here, we were with uh, Skip, and uh, not much has happened in terms of Marlins news. You know, a couple moves here and there, the, you know, Christian Bethacourt being the headliner. We'll get into him in a little bit, but, you know, a couple articles we could touch on that have come out through, you know, The Athletic, and then obviously Craig Mish and Barry Jackson doing their usual couple weeks Marlins update article, so... What's up? And a couple stuff to dive into today. Yeah, looking forward to this. Like you said, it's been a while since we recorded anything. Also, not a ton of content to give you guys. I returned from the winter meetings about a week and a half ago. And not a lot happened on the Marlins front. Shohei finally signed. You'd think Yamamoto is on the verge of signing. So you'd think some of those dominoes, once the the Yamamoto domino falls, that even more will start to come. Glass not getting traded, so... We shall see. It should be a fun second half of December for sure. So as always, like and subscribe on YouTube. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts and wherever you can. Give it a five-star rating. And uh, yeah, so let's get right into it. Miami made a quick small trade. Uh, They acquired Christian Bethencourt from the Cleveland Guardians. Spent the 2023 season with the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, this This is essentially a Peter Bendix guy right here, Isaac. I mean, good defensive catcher for the most part. He's kind of like the opposite of Nick Fortes. He's a good framer. He throws guys out very well, but aside from that, he's not very good offensively. He had a very nice 2022 offensively, if you want to make that case, you know, for his standards, but he's been in the league for a very long time and uh, should be, you know, good catching tandem with Fortes and Bethancourt for now, at least. I mean, definitely is an upgrade over what Miami had with Stallings last season. Yeah, I think he upgrades in a couple of ways. Definitely, like you said, Kevin, not a ton of offensive prowess, but I think he's got something that neither Stallings or Fortes have a ton of, and that's a little bit of power. He can slug the ball a little bit. I know Fortes had that pretty good 2022 season as well, where he he cleared the fence a couple of times, but as you saw last year, they just could not hit the ball over the fence, neither him or Stallings. Bethancourt has the ability to do that a little bit more, and like you mentioned, power rifle behind the plate. Miami was well-documented how awful they were at controlling the running game. Part of it is on the pitching, and I think that you won't see a huge upgrade in caught ceiling for Miami because at the end of the day, it is the pitching that really has a big factor. That is a big factor for that. But he's, he'll definitely help nonetheless. And like I said, he has got a cannon behind the plate. Runner on the move and the throw down. They're going to get him. He is out at second base. Sanchez tagged out by Lau. Dwayne, I don't think you could have walked the ball out and put it in a better spot than Bethancourt did. Literally, Sanchez on a tough pitch to handle. He slides right into the glove. That is a perfect throw. And we were talking about it before we started recording. He was pitching, trying that two-way player stuff in 2017. And since then, he's sort of just been the emergency position player pitching guy for uh, for the clubs that he's been on. But I'm excited to see him in spring training, excited to see the arm. And I assume they're not done addressing catching yet. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But the big thing with on there, is, is that him? No, that's in throwing. Yeah, that guy has a cannon of an arm. I mean, it was on full display against the Marlins when they were up in Tampa. Mm-hmm. But uh, specifically the Hazley Sanchez play him going to third there and gotten stealing there. But uh, the, the thing with, you know, this shouldn't come to any surprises by any means when Miami acquired someone like Bethancourt, you know, you were there, Isaac, during spring training. Skip mentioned that that they want someone who they want the pitchers to feel comfortable throwing to. They want someone, you know, defensive, a defensive catcher, more or less, for the most part. You know, he, he mentioned just they don't need, they have to, they don't need, but you can't always just focus on the offense. You need 
that defense. And that's where you kind of start thinking, you know, maybe they aren't going to go with that big name, you know, Mitch Garber, Yosemite Grandal type catcher. And they're going to go with someone like Christian Bethencourt. And we'll talk, and I guess we'll quickly just mention, you know, the other name that was floated around there, Andrew Kisner from the St. Louis Cardinals. He's a free agent. He spent uh, almost, you know, the entirety of the 2023, 20, 2023 season with the Cardinals. And um, he is an interesting case. Uh, he, for the most part, it felt like pitchers were a lot more comfortable catching, uh, you know, being caught by Andrew Kisner on that Cardinal staff. I mean, we saw the move with Wilson Contreras going from catcher to, I believe, left field. So that shows just how comfortable pitchers are. And that kind of fits the mold of what Skip said during uh, the winter meetings. This is a guy who primarily hits right-handed pitching, which is something Miami struggled with. Slash 264, 313, 419, 732 against right-handed pitching. So that is pretty convincing, and it shouldn't surprise you. I mean, look at a couple teams from the Rays. Those guys carry three catchers sometimes on the roster. I know last year was, I believe, Francisco Mejia, Rene Pinto, and um, and then you had Christian Bethencourt. So it shouldn't come to any surprise that they would carry another catcher. And, you know, I believe Bethencourt did mention it. It wouldn't surprise them if they bring in another catcher. So. Isaac, your thoughts on Kisner, and we'll get into the other name that was discussed in that article in a bit. Yeah, like you said, um, Skip sort of um, characterized what he would want behind the plate, and to me, it'd be sort of like a 2013 Jeff Mathis, someone that pitchers love to throw to, someone that can help someone like Edward Cabrera. It was Jeff Mathis was Jose Fernandez's personal catcher all the way through, and they want someone like that. And I, in my opinion, Kisner sort of fits that mold more than Bethancourt. I don't think Bethencourt is one of those guys that, you know, is an amazing pitch caller, is an amazing blocker. Like you said, Kisner sort of uh, checks all those boxes, and he sort of fits that Jeff Mathis type role a little bit more, in my opinion. And they can easily go with three catchers if they want to go with him, Bethencourt, and Fortes. I don't know if they'll do that. But, yeah, I would definitely be happy with uh, with Kisner joining that rotation of catchers because, hey, you, you, you're going to need more than two. I know Miami didn't need more than two last year. They only had the same two all year long, one of the few teams to do that. But more is more in this situation. Yeah, and keep in mind, Fortes does have minor league options and all that stuff. So, you know, you ever have to send one of them down, that definitely could be an option. I believe maybe mm -hmm. Kinzer does. He has one left, so – couple guys with minor league options Bethancourt obviously he's been in the league for like eight years already he doesn't have any so that's the other name for catcher obviously we'll we'll see what happens uh you know you have Will Banfield still there Paul McIntosh in the minor leagues those are the guys who are closest to MLB ready we will, we will not mention Joe Mack Bennett Hostetler another guy in double a Pensacola there who we'll see if he turns out to be a spring training invitee so that's really it on the catcher front. The other name that was floated around in that same article with Craig Mish and Barry Jackson was Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. He spent the 2023 season with the Yankees, uh, spent 2022 at shortstop. So that's the big thing. This would essentially be the Marlins starting shortstop come opening day. I know, Isaac, you were not a big fan of Falefa if, if he does end up coming to Miami. But, I mean, you look at it, the defense is – it's gold glove caliber. I mean, it would be likely the best defensive shortstop they would have since – Miggy Rowe. Well, since Joey Wendell, I guess you could say too. But, yeah, Wendell's uh, yeah, pretty he, good. Yeah. yeah, he won the gold glove in a 2020 shortened season. He's just been so underwhelming at the plate. You can see he's not a huge guy. doesn't generate a lot of power. Obviously, you don't need a ton of power. But for that same price, I would suggest Tim Anderson. I know it sounds awful, but at least he's got some sort of offensive upside there. He's an awful defender. But you know what? I, I think right now with this team, they need – offense assuming Solaire doesn't return um 
and yeah, I, IKF, I don't know if I'm a huge fan of that acquisition, if it were to come, if it were to happen, but we shall see how it goes because shortstop is definitely something they need. Uh, Peter Bendix in Nashville kept saying how if the season started today, they're pretty comfortable with what they have internally in John Birdie, Vidal Brujan, Xavier Edwards. I'm missing one more. Um, but yeah, they could definitely use an everyday shortstop guy. And to me, someone like Tim Anderson and John Birdie are more that guy than IKF. I guess just looking back at Craig's article, anything else that stood out to you from what you read there? I don't think there's really much else, but no, no, it wasn't one of the more um, fun ones to read. Underwhelming. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we can move on to the big topic, which was the Ken Rosenthal article. I mean, that was, we had kind of heard about it that, you know, maybe Miami is shopping names such as Trevor Rogers and Cabrera. And then you go into this article and it's, specifically on Jesus Luzardo. And this is a name that I do not think any Marlins fans would have seen pop up in trade discussions after the great 2023 he had, how good he was at career high in innings. I mean, this is a team that just a year ago traded Pablo Lopez and they still found themselves with in need of pitching. And I think this is something that Kim mentioned last year. Now, Peter, you never can have enough pitching. And that's the one thing that they need. And you know, now you're looking to trade one right now in the Luzardo. So Isaac, we know you had mentioned that Anthony Volpe trade situation, uh, you know, trade, and I'll let you have your moment with it. But just your thoughts on the on the reporting here of Ken Rosenthal. He also mentioned Edward Cabrera, who has five years of club control. Yeah. After, and Luzardo has three. So it's a lot. I mean, Miami essentially would be getting a lot in return. Now, this is a where Miami's at right now without Sandy Alcantara for the entire season. This is a spot where you, Luzardo is your ace, and you don't want to trade him, right? In a perfect world, you don't trade him. You extend him. You keep Cabrera. You keep all these guys because right now you have Luzardo, Yuri, Braxton, and then you hope Cabrera can put it all together. You hope Trevor Rogers is healthy, and that's about it. You have Max Meyer hoping he can be a starter, so you don't have a ton of options. You want seven to ten guys when you go into spring training. But they have Peter Bendix, and the Rays' model has been to once these pitchers get to their peak, and they start arbitration, which Luzardo is at both those things right now. He's at his peak, and he's about to become a little expensive. I believe the number for him is $5.9 I want to say. Um, so, yeah, the Rays yeah, tend to trade the players in this situation. And for Luzardo, there's no one on the Marlins that would bring you a bigger haul than him, maybe aside from Yuri, but obviously I assume he's off the table. But Luzardo, there's, you can go to any team. And they'll, you can get a blue-chip prospect from any one of those guys. You can get young minor, major leaguers that can help you immediately. I don't think that's the route they would go. So with him, I don't see him going to the West Coast. I do see him going to the Yankees, maybe. If that were to happen, I'm not sure if this will. It's pure speculation on my part. But the Yankees need pitching. The Marlins need a shortstop. Imagine they acquire Luzardo. I think Yamamoto goes to New York as well. Imagine mm-hmm. that with Garrett Cole, Yamamoto, Luzardo, Rodon. That is a heck of a starting rotation for the Yankees. They'll be giving away their number one guy. They're starting shortstop of the future. But, hey, they're getting their second, third ace. And I think that would make them an unstoppable ball club in that AL East. It would confirm an AL East division title. And the Marlins would be getting their everyday shortstop. This guy was 20-20 in his rookie year while not hitting the cover off the ball, tearing the cover off the ball. He plays fantastic defensive shortstop. And he would become a fan favorite immediately. So if I'm in Mr. Peter Bendix's shoes. That's a trade that it would be very tough. But you know what? When I floated it on Twitter, it alienated both fan bases. And you know what that means? It means that it was a good deal. If both sides 
feel like they got screwed. So that's my deal, as you see on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. Anthony Volpe and Clay Holmes to help the Marlins' right-handed bullpen situation in exchange for Hazel Luzardo and George Soriano. It is approved by Baseball Trade Simulator. Never to put you know too much weight on this website. I just thought of it. Luzardo for Volpe, one for one. And then I wanted to make it a little bit closer, maybe address some other needs for each club. And that's the trade. Even with you know an 84 WRC plus and kind of some underwhelming stats for Volpe, he still hit, still gave you 21 home runs. And that's something no Marlon shortstop has done since, I guess, Hanley no. Ramirez is the last one. Volpe drives that in the air to right field and deep. Carpenter back, racing over, and that is gone! A three-run homer for Anthony Volpe to tie the game with two outs in the ninth. This would be a heck of a risky move, in my opinion, because Volpe's got some flaws. He strikes out way more than I would have liked for someone they're going to be trading Guzardo for. So it'd be a tough one, but that's just my fantasy and everyone that i've spoken to says you know what it's a fair trade isaac three years of luzardo for five years of volpe send it in yep exactly i mean i don't hate it but you know with with what miami needs right now and on top of that they're still looking for pitching i mean these guys are claiming guys left and right and you still need pitching you still need at least one more starter that you could count on and even if it's you know some hot you know long relief type of guy and i know in that same article with with mish and barry they were mentioning george soriano and i'm glad that you, you met my guy in the trade but it's fine but yeah i mean that's another guy who was a starter just a year ago so they need starting pitching and as much as i don't hate the trade honestly because you get volpe and combs who both had very nice seasons for new york still got to keep luzardo somewhere somehow but the other name to throw out there was Edward Cabrera. This is kind of a weird situation. Miami seems like they've been trying to trade him for a couple of years now. And we know there was that Colorado deal last season, last offseason with Brendan Rodgers. That thankfully did not go through because Miami would not have had Brendan Rodgers for the majority of the season. And there's still a long way to go for Edward. I mean, he just couldn't throw strikes. <laughs> I think it's the best way to put it. Um, where, where do you see as well, guys? Like this is a guy with five years left of club control. He He's not in arbitration yet, I believe, and this is a very good pitcher when he is at his best. I mean, you thought this guy was an all-star in your bold predictions, so. Just, what is it, 20, just two years ago, this guy was the Yuri Perez of the system. You know, this was the number one prospect, the consensus number one guy. Yes, better stuff than Sixto. Some people in the Marlins organization told me better stuff than Sandy, and he needs to throw strikes. He needs to throw strikes. He, they definitely see him as a starter, from what I've been told. No no thoughts of moving to the bullpen yet, and I would agree with that. you got to give him at least another half season to prove it. I think he came into spring training last year a little bit out of shape. I think his head wasn't all in there during the regular season. You saw him get demoted to AAA Jacksonville in the middle of the season and called back up. I think they got to give him another at least three months in the major leagues as a starter to see what happens. But right now, he's penciled in as their number four or five starter, and they need him. And if he shows 2021 glimpses, then, hey, you got a heck of a number four. And I think he's got the potential to be the number two starter eventually. I, I think he's really, really good. He's got every pitch in the, a, a guy could want in his arsenal. So we shall see. When it comes to his value on the trade market, I don't know what it would be. I have obviously it'd be a less than Luzardo's, but he's got five years of control. Has that crazy prospect pedigree, sort of like Luzardo. But I don't know if I don't know how other teams would value Edward Cabrera at this exact moment. I can tell you that. 
Yeah. So, yeah, not much to much else to take away from that from that article from the Athletic. Always, you know, I guess good work from Ken Rosenthal. So, uh, just to kind of wind down here, we'll just go through a couple targets. You know, we'll say free agent and trade targets because right now it's kind of looking like Miami will not do very much on either end. Maybe I, I think they'll do less on the free agent market than the uh, trade market. But Isaac, you already mentioned Volpe. Anyone else you want to throw out there, trade or free agent? Yeah, we were talking about um, Kisner over there and the, spent a lot of time with the Cardinals. We were speaking about Bethancourt, uh, another catcher that I just like for personal reasons in the Cardinal system, who honestly would be a really big addition for Miami's backstop needs, would be Pedro Pages. He is in the Cardinals AA affiliate. He's been added to the 40-man roster, so I, I'm not sure if they'd be willing to part with him, but he's pretty down in the depth chart for the Cardinals catching options, but he's someone that has hit with power and he is known as a tremendous defensive backstop. And I think he would be someone that pitchers would love to throw to. He's obviously shown it at the upper levels of the minors. And I think he'd be, he's a local Miami kid. So I think he's someone that Miami could, could inquire in on. I'll go and mention free agent. I, I don't think this guy's going to be Miami's price range, but to Oscar Hernandez is definitely a name that Miami should at least consider. Good year with Seattle, 105 WRC plus. The strikeout rate is a little, it's pretty high actually, 31%. Doesn't walk very much. But aside from that, give you 26 home runs, 93 RBIs. You know, that's what Miami needs. You're losing Solari. You need to get your home runs back in some some sort of way. And that's what Oscar Hernandez does bring you. So that's the name I would like to throw out there. I mean, I really don't know. Miami needs a first baseman unless you want to throw out the name Reese Hoskins maybe kind of rebuild his value that wouldn't hurt either but anyone else you want to throw out there before we continue yeah, a, a fun fun trade target i don't know if these guys are trading pete alonzo i don't know what they're going to do with him but <laughs> that would be just the perfect man to put in the middle of your line if you dh either him or bell and there you go you replace solaire i don't know if miami even has the assets to, to swing that but if they are looking to trade pete alonzo i don't know if they'll even do it within the division but that would be a, a heck of a trade Another free agent guy I'll give you, Kevin, would be Zach Granke. I yeah. think it'd be rough. I feel like he goes back to Kansas City. I don't know how that would go, but I that'd be a fun one. You know, that'd be a, Miami needs starting pitching, and especially if they decide to move one of either Luzardo or Braxton, they definitely need another a vet like that. It could be someone like Urania, just someone who they can weather the storm. Speaking of weather the storm, Ryan Weathers, they see him in more of a of a swing role. As yeah. well, from what I understand, and not as a starter. I know he had that great end of the year, great start to end the year in 2023, but everyone's bags were packed. No one gave a shit about that game. So I think they see him more as a swing piece. So yeah, Zach Granke, you know, you know he can give you innings. He might get shelled while doing it, but he'll give you some innings for sure. And that's immensely valuable for major league teams. A name I'll throw out there's not a very nice season for Minnesota. It was Joey Gallo. I mean, if you need a backup guy, you need a DH. <laughs> Doesn't hurt. He had a very nice season for the Twins. A very good comeback season, I guess you could mention, after struggling with um, the Yankees and Dodgers in that 2022 season. But, man, I mean, if there's one thing that stood out, it was 40, 42% strikeout rate. I mean, geez, that's the highest of his career in over yeah, he, 100 games played. So that's I don't that's love the strong. profile. It's like a left-handed Adam Duvall. I don't love the – he strikes out so much, Joey Gallo. But light tower power in his prime yeah. with light tower power. But – I don't know if that's what Bendix is going to target there. You like Tommy Pham? That one hurt in the I, outfield. I remember I said that. I think it was 
last offseason, I said Tommy Pham should be Miami center fielder, and he had a great year. Yeah, um, I, I just don't see Miami spending a ton of money, if any money, this offseason. I think it's all going to be via trades, whether yeah. it's to replenish the system or to maybe supplement the major league roster a little bit. It's not going to be a, a very exciting offseason for sure. Yeah, no, no. The, um, the payroll is already at, assuming all the arbitration numbers are accurate, I believe it's already at $97 million, which is pretty high for this ball club. So I can see them moving on from some guys with high arbitration numbers like Luzardo. And the thing is with Braxton, you would obviously we'd all rather, not we all, he's a very, very nice guy, but you would probably rather part with him. The thing is, I don't know, he's not going to get you as much as Luzardo, and he's got more years of control. So you probably keep him over Luzardo in this situation. So I'm very curious to see how they handle um, the starting pitching trade uh, acquisitions. Yeah. So I think aside from that, there's not much more to go into. I think the only other name we'll mention, I think you quickly touched on it, Tim Anderson. At this point, it's worth throwing the name out there as much as I wouldn't like him on the Marlins. He, he was very good. He was a very good baseball player just a couple seasons ago. This was a very weird season for him, very not good, I, I guess is the best way to put it. He was very bad. And I, I think we've thrown, we've mentioned it many times. He is not a good defensive shortstop. That would be a huge downgrade in terms of defense. But aside from that, I mean, anything else, Isaac, before we wrap up, already 20 minutes in, pretty short episode on our end. But, you know, when for times like this where Christian Bethencourt is the highlight move, there's not much more to say. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Bethancourt, like I said earlier, that he, he can slug a little bit. The guy just does not get on base. He does not get on base. And neither like does Tim something OBP. Yeah. And neither does Tim Anderson. And I, I don't know how many – we've asked Peter Bendix a million times, what is your ideal hitting profile for these guys? You know, the philosophy last year of Kim was, you know, get guys that are good pure hitters. What is yours? And he said good ball players. Well, you know, it doesn't give us a – any information there, but I don't know if Tim Anderson is one of those guys. I, I think you want to have guys that get on base at least. If, if they strike out, fine, but they have to get on base to make up for it a little bit. But he does both of those things. But we shall see. He, I assume he'd be able to – Miami could afford him. So I think that's a possibility. Yep. So I think we'll wrap it up here, 22 minutes in. As always, make sure to like and subscribe. Eli is going to be dropping his official show pretty soon. Uh, so you can check that out. We'll be talking about – DJ Svelik's replacement. We won't mention the name because I don't know how to pronounce it. And I'll let Eli tell you who the name is. So from Isaac, for myself, we'll see you guys all in two weeks. Peace out and go fish.